sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. We have a fascinating topic today. We've talked before about Christian nationalism, but never from the standpoint of the theological heresy posed by Christian nationalism. Our guest today is Reverend Jennifer Butler, a Presbyterian minister, CEO of Faith in Public Life, which is on the web at faithinpubliclife.org, and author of a wonderful book called Who Stole My Bible? Reclaiming Scripture as a Handbook for Resisting Tyranny. Reverend Butler, thank you for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you so much for having me. So I have to start by asking, the Bible is a handbook for resisting tyranny? What on earth are you talking about? Yeah, you know, many of us haven't been taught that way. I mean, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I was not taught the Bible in terms of this. But as a young Christian, I came to make a decision to follow Jesus because I read his mission statement. I've come to bring good news to the poor and freedom to the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And of course, after he read that from it was the scroll, you know, from Isaiah. And, you know, he put it down. He said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, this is what I'm here to do. And people tried to throw him off a cliff after he said that. So as a child, I thought, or as a teenager, I should say, I was concerned about nuclear Armageddon. It was the height of the nuclear arms race. I was concerned about racism in my community. And when I read Jesus' mission statement, I was like, you know, I wasn't sure if I you know, I go to church three times a week, but, you know, do I embrace this for myself? When I read that, I was like, I'm going to follow this Jesus. And so my book really goes through the Bible from Genesis to the book of Revelation, helping people understand how the Bible is a very unique and groundbreaking call that shows that God is a God who resists the Pharaohs and the Caesars of our world and calls us to create a world based on the understanding of human dignity for everyone. Wow. Human <laughs> dignity for everyone. That sounds like another entire topic that we could very much do. But I do want to get to kind of a spinoff article that caught my attention in, I guess it's a daily, Red Letter Christians. It's your article called The Heresy of Christian Nationalism. And I know you focus, um, you really build it on the presence of Christian nationalism on January 6th. 2021 at the nation's capital. But um, when you say the heresy of Christian nationalism, why do you call it a heresy? Well, it's a heresy because it goes against everything scripture teaches us. Christian nationalism is the completion of Christianity with our nationalist identity. And we are called to be Christians first, not to be Americans first. And so it's the completion of those two things. And throughout scripture, we're warned against casting God in the image of our own race or nationality. In fact, it's called idolatry in the Bible, and it comes up time and again. We see it at Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments are delivered, that the people get scared, and they don't trust Moses, and they don't trust God, and so they try to fashion their own God. They try to create their own God, and they create that God in the image of the gods of that region. Specifically, the image, uh, the God of Egypt, the top God, as you would say, because they believed in many gods. 
And doing that, they were saying, hey, we want to be like the other nations. We're rejecting this vision of a God who liberates slaves. We want to be like the other nations so we can be powerful. And then they were, you know, succumbing to their fear rather than confidence in a God who's going to lead them forth to create a society in which the dignity of every single person is respected. So I'm going to kind of see you one and raise you because in Revelation 13, the Mark of the Beast passage, it talks about the worship of the beast and its image. And in prophecy, I think the kind of the dominant Protestant understanding as Adventists, we share that, is that a beast represents a nation. And so the very idolatry of essentially worshiping the nation and putting the nation before Christ is the idolatry of the age that brings us the mark of the beast. That's right. It's so profound. And in fact, the mark of the beast, thanks to biblical historians and archaeology, we now understand that was a very specific thing in Roman times that to um, be able to get food and to do commerce in the temple, you know, which is where all the commerce was centered, you had to fall on your knees and worship Caesar. So you had to literally get a mark that showed that you had made a sacrifice to the empire. You had to bow before the empire and say that Caesar was Lord rather than Jesus as Lord. And so to resist the mark of the beast was to resist the Holy Roman Empire, which was impoverishing 90% of the population and was a you know sort of warmongering empire trying to dominate the world. Now, in your article, you identify three heresies, idolatry being the first. But you also say lying about our history to glorify ourselves. What's the heresy that you see there? Yes, repeatedly throughout scripture, one of the biggest commands we're given, most frequent commands, is the command to remember. To remember that we were once slaves in Egypt and God frees us. And that is the preface to every single command that God gives in the Bible, specifically to the Ten Commandments. And um, it's mentioned more often than any singular commandment in the Bible. And so we're called to remember, to know who we are, to know our history, and to do that from the perspective of those who need to be liberated, who have been oppressed. And so for me, for example, as a white person you know, living in America, I need to understand my history growing up in Georgia and the ways in which my family and my ancestors were complicit in creating the racial divide and the racism that we see in our society today. And I need to find ways to make things right. So remembering our history is a spiritual discipline. And yet we see calls today by many in opposition to critical race theory and situations like that in schools. They want to censor books and they want to cut off our history. And that's a disservice to us as Christians and to our children who need to be taught who they are so that we can make society right. And this topic take us far afield, but there are literally dozens of bills in more than a dozen states to tie the hands and censor teachers in how they teach our history and virtually whitewash it from anything that might prove offensive. But I don't think they're talking about being offensive to the colored and, you know, gay students. They're talking about not teaching the history of racism, of Jim Crow or slavery in ways that might make white kids uncomfortable. And that's really sad to me. I have an 18-year-old son, and I am delighted to hear that he is learning things that I did not learn as a young person growing up in Georgia. My history was censored, and I'm ashamed to find that out today, to know that, for example, I went initially to a, a desegregated public school in Georgia. You know, I started elementary school in the 70s. It took 20 years for Southerners to integrate 
the public school system. My mom's generation should have been the first to experience that. It wasn't until my generation came along that we experienced that. But I learned that many of our friends and neighbors pulled their children out of school rather than integrate. And that later, the high school that I went to was really a, a white Christian segregation academy. They formed these private schools so that they could escape being with God's children and being together, um, which I think is actually the mandate of scripture. So I did not know, you know, my own history. It was a disservice to me. I am so glad that my son is coming home and teaching me history that I did not know. And he will be a better citizen and a better Christian because of it as a lie. Well, and when you talk about, you know, remember that we were slaves in Egypt. That's very profound for me. I come from a Jewish family, and you mentioned the connection a moment ago between the mark of the beast and the Roman experience. For me as a Jew, I see it as a counterfeit of the phylacteries, which the first occasion was in Exodus 13, where God's people are commanded not merely to remember what God has done for them, But this is even before they've crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is still pursuing them. They're still in harm's way. And God says, you're going to put these boxes on your head and on your hands, and you're going to remember what I did for you year after year, generation after generation. Oh, my goodness. So I see the mark as a, you know, of the beast as a counterfeit of remembering the God who delivers us from slavery in Egypt and leads us to the promised land. Oh, my God. You just taught me something there. I am going to learn from that and continue to incorporate it because, and you know, this is the interesting thing that the Bible really is a living word, right? It speaks to us now and in our time. That's the most exciting thing about scripture. And although I have studied scripture and I got a master of divinity and, you know, study history, as I um, do this work and uh, as God led me to write the book that I just wrote, I am continuing to see God open up the text in new ways and dialogue with other people like yourself. So that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, By all means. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thought. Now, going back to your article, you identify a third form of heresy of Christian nationalism, defiling the image of human beings. Uh, We've just got a few minutes left. Let's uh, talk about that for a minute. In what way does Christian nationalism defile the image of human beings from your view? Well, on January 6th, there were Christian flags flying high above that crowd. And not only Christian flags, they carried Confederate flags that represented, you know, a regime in which slavery was used to build the economy and to structure society. Um, They had anti-Semitic T-shirts and symbols and flags in the crowd. And that defiles the image of every single person as created in God's image and blocked by God. And so their message was clear. They want to build a white Christian America and subject everybody else to a hierarchy where white Christians are at the top. And that is the antithesis of what the Bible teaches. In fact, the creation story is a moral indictment of other creation myths of the early ancient Near East. Most people believe that the gods created human beings to be their slaves. That was a worldview and a cosmology that justified slavery itself. And yet God comes to us in the story of creation and calls everything good. Human beings are very good. All of creation is good. The word good is repeated six times throughout that passage. And that is an undoing of this moral worldview that human beings were created to be slaves and that the world was born of gods who were at war with one another. It was born from violent conflict and blood. Instead, 
God in the creation story is almost a mothering spirit that hovers over the face of the waters like a mother bird. It's a beautiful, compassionate story that very clearly says all human beings are created in the image of God, not created to be slaves, but created in God's very image. That was a revolutionary ethical message for that moment in history, and it was unique. And it's actually the undergirding of what we understand to be human rights today. That is a unique heritage that the Jewish people have given us. Well, it strikes me that Christian nationalism has a basic ethos that we are Christians, we're the called, we're the chosen, and it's our right to make the laws, to govern, to have power. And you combine that with, you know, kind of the prosperity gospel, and the more power that we obtain, that's obviously God's blessing and our destiny to obtain, you know, yet more power, and it's our right to rule. I see that kind of ethos underlying Christian nationalism. Is that fair? Yeah, those two really come together. So there's a kind of like patriotism and a ethnocentrism, a sort of like my race is first, my religion is first. And then there's this sort of hyper-capitalistic worldview that comes through the, the prosperity gospel rather than God's vision of abundance for everyone and, you know, the loaves and fishes and sharing everything um, is a vision that, you know, let me see what I can get for myself. It's an individualistic worldview. And it's also one in which um, God is sort of treated as a slot machine. You know, like you do all the right things, you go to church a certain number of times. It's almost like a, you know, a primitive magic God where you do X, Y, Z, you don't drink or you don't smoke, but you can treat your neighbor horribly and you can vote for things that undermine the dignity of every person. And the measure of your faithfulness to God is how wealthy you are and how successful you are. But Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first. So that kind of worldview is completely opposite from what the Bible teaches. This has been so much fun, and you've now given me a new sermon title, God is a Slot Machine. I'm going to have to run, I'm going to have to run with that. Our guest today has been Jennifer Butler, a Presbyterian minister, CEO of Faith in Public Life, author of Who Stole My Bible? Reclaiming Scripture as a Handbook for Resisting Tyranny. Jennifer, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to have to do this again. I would love to. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.